Well, my friends, we are back in the vineyard. You know, we've been reflecting on the reality that God is calling us to work in his vineyard. He's calling us to work for him to bring about his kingdom. For three weeks in a row now, we have heard parables about Jesus in the vineyard. Today, we reflect on another parable of the vineyard in which Jesus clearly extracts from Isaiah in the first reading, the uh, uh, psalm as well. There are many parallels. Isaiah reminds us that God is our friend. In fact, a, uh, a more accurate translation, uh, Isaiah says that we are his beloved, that we are his beloved. At the Last Supper, in fact, Jesus told us, I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends. I call you my beloved sons or daughters. That he's blessed us in so many ways, for we, my friends, are the vineyard. We are the vineyard. The vineyard built on the fertile hillside, not a desert wasteland, right? They had been wandering, oh, well, they'd been in Egypt in slavery, then they'd been wandering the desert. But the Lord had brought them to the promised land. They had brought him, he had brought them to this fertile hillside. And like the other parables, we see that God is busy. He's super busy. He spayed our soil, he cleared it of stones, and planted the choicest vines, it says. These activities, of course, can all be understood as God pouring his abundant grace upon each of us. That God has been painstakingly working to ensure that his fertile hill would produce good fruit, good fruits for the kingdom. And this isn't a temporary project by our Lord, is it? He has a sense, it has a sense of permanence, doesn't it? For God will not abandon us. He's in this for the long haul. He built a watchtower, an analogy, of course, to sending the prophets. So, so many prophets. Ultimately, he sent his only begotten son. He will not leave us. In fact, the human author of this gospel ends it by saying that he will be with us always until the end of time. Jesus ascended into the sacraments. He and the Father pour forth their spirit upon the church. God does not know how to be absent. And he is generous. He gives us everything. It says he hewed out a wine press he prepared his only begotten son to endure the winepress of the cross where he was crushed in his passion and death for our sins. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I had not done? But the ancient Israelites, the chief priests and elders of the people, and each of us at times, no doubt, produced wild fruit, continue to produce wild fruit. Fruit. We know that we are sinners. Sometimes we fail to use the gifts he gives us for his glory and our peace. Isaiah's prophecy served as a warning against Israel. He foreshadowed the destruction of Jerusalem and the Babylonian exile. Jesus uses the same vineyard image to make judgment against and to warn against the chief priests and the elders of the people. 
were failing in their responsibility to care for God's people. Ultimately, in their disordered attempt to receive his inheritance, they ignored his warning. They turned on Jesus, and they crucified him outside the walls of the city. Salvation history is so beautifully portrayed in these, in these vineyard images that God's chosen people rejected the abundance of God's grace that they had received. To bring about their conversion, God took away the hedge of his protection. He allowed them to be overrun. He allowed their enemies to break through the walls of Jerusalem and trample his vineyard. He allowed a city, his beautiful temple, to be destroyed and his chosen people to be conquered and to be brought into exile. Their sin blinded them to God's grace, the abundance of his love for them. So too with the Jewish uh, religious leaders at the time of Christ. They failed in their responsibility to take care of God's people and turn Jesus over to be crucified. And so he leased his vineyard to new tenants. My friends, we, the church, are those new tenants. And our faith is built upon Christ, the rock, the sure foundation, the stone, which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. We are to, of course, in faith, to work to avoid the same mistake those so long ago made. As the new tenants, we have a tremendous responsibility. And this responsibility, I suppose, can be very overwhelming at times. We look around our world, it is truly a hot mess. The responsibility to take care of it can be overwhelming. But St. Paul is telling us in the second reading, have no anxiety at all. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. My friends, by embracing the abundant graces that are being offered us, we are the vineyard, by heeding our Lord's warning and living out the gospel message of love and peace, we can find the peace of God that surpasses all understanding St. Paul spoke about so long ago. And we can do many good works for the Lord. And in doing so, we can find that peace that relieves our anxiety. This will only happen. Peace will only happen if we seek whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious. My friends, we need to guard our eyes. We need to be careful about what we are consuming. It is so dangerous anymore. We have in our pocket uh, all kinds of harmful things. It's good stuff too. But we get TV and social media, all this garbage thrown at us 24 hours a day, we must consume higher things. Holy Scripture, you can get that on our phones too, right? There's so many good podcasts. There's so, so much higher things we can be consuming. If there's any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Paul says, think about these things. 
Keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen. Then the God of peace will be with you. And my friends, if you haven't learned and received and heard and seen, please come talk to me. You know, we're having a, a ministry fair next Sunday. You can get involved in uh, all kinds of ministries here. You can give back to our wonderful parish. You can check out some uh, great podcasts. Father Schmitz has Bible in the air, catechism in the air. There's goods. You can join RCIA, even if you're already fully initiated, and you can come to know better the faith. My friends, we do have to guard what we consume. And we ought to be cognizant of the voices in our lives that we are listening to. You know, I may have uh, mentioned this, but my spiritual director has encouraged me to take every thought captive. You know, we have this internal dialogue that goes on in each of our minds, right? He, tells, he says, take every one of those thoughts captive and ask yourself an important question. Whose voice are you listening to? Whose voices are we listening to, my friends? My spiritual director is also, as I probably have said, has me meditating on 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many of you probably had it in your wedding mass. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know, we know that John tells us that God is love. Paul is telling us that uh, love is patient. So by the transitive property, that means God is patient. That's his voice. His language is one of patience and love and kindness. The Father's love voice is always patient and kind. It is never jealous or boastful. It's never rude. God's voice never seeks its own interests, and on and on and on. But my friends, we know that the Father of lies also has a voice. His voice is impatient. His voice is harsh or unkind. It is jealous and boastful and rude and on and on. And this voice sometimes resonates in our hearts and minds, sometimes about ourselves even, but often about the other. Father God's love makes us his beloved children. Satan's hate makes us his miserable victims. We are called to take every thought captive and to ask ourselves whose voice are we listening to you know i think it is so easy to be distracted by the world these days and to fall into the same trap those religious leaders did so so long ago the father of lies after all he has a very very loud voice the father of love tends to speak in a whisper we must get quiet we must enter into the silence of daily prayer in order to hear the Father of Love's voice. And we'll know whose voice we are listening to by observing the fruit in our lives. The Father of Love's fruit we get from Galatians 15, and no doubt there's other fruit, right? But Galatians 5, Paul tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. No doubt there is other fruit. We all want these fruits. My friends, we are Father God's vineyard, and we've been planted on the fertile hillside of the church. 
We are, as the psalmist sang, vine from Egypt he transplanted. Each of us are vines that have been grafted upon the true vine, Jesus Christ. He brought us out of that place of slavery. He brought us out of that place of slavery to sin. First of all, of course, in baptism, but over and over again in the sacrament of penance, in confession. He feeds us literally with himself here in this holy mass in the most blessed sacrament. He invites us to till the soil of our hearts and minds each day in daily, intimate, generous prayer and to accept the protection that he offers to us in and through his church. My friends, when we embrace God's friendship, that we are his beloved sons or daughters, when we allow Jesus to till the soil of our hearts and minds, and on and on and on, we do produce good fruit. Good fruit for his kingdom, but also good fruit in our lives in the way of peace, joy, and please God, ultimately, eternal life. You know, I pray we all embrace the grace that is being offered here right now in this Holy Mass and that we experience the abundance of good fruit. My friends, let's get busy. It's time to produce fruit for the kingdom. And may God be praised. Amen.